When do you believe you consumed the living water from Jesus, as mentioned in John chapter 4, verse 14? Did it start to spurt forth like a spring, flowing to nourish others? Or have you had a tough time to notice even a trickle? Does it come forth clean and pure? Or does it look muddy, murky, and smell like a swamp? If you are noticing some problems with your outflow, perhaps you should re-examine the source you are tapped into. In the past, it's been mentioned that only about 10 to 20% of people who claim to be Christian truly are. In which group do you find yourself? In reading the Bible, Christians are given tasks to perform, precepts to follow, commands to obey. Are you? Do you? Is it a struggle or a joy? If you find that you are lacking, contact us. We can help put you on the right path. If you find yourself in the 10 to 20% category, then this message is for you. Hello, and welcome to God's Word for You for today from Liberty Lake Church. Today we have the second and final part of two special messages by Pastor Jerry Larson. So take out your Bible and start by opening it to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, and follow along with Pastor Jerry as he helps us to realize how we can develop growing characteristics in the message titled, Faith Results in Spiritual Growth. All right, now, I can say this, I believe I can say this. If you leave today, and after two Sundays with me, if you walk away with this truth, I'm going to die happy. If you die knowing that the greatest thing in your life is a personal, growing, dynamic, vital relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the priority in your life, and you're growing in that relationship. Now, if you get that, I'm going to die happy, all right? I am sick to death of meeting believers that just sit, soak, sour, and rot in the pew, get their ticket punched every week, and come back next Sunday. Boy, that's exciting, isn't it? Boy, I'll tell you, see, you go to churches, and you, you, you can almost read people's minds. <laughs> When's this going to be over? Well, listen up. God's got something to say to you this morning. And for me as well, I tell you, it's amazing how he takes the truth and applies it to your own life during the week. When I get ready for this. Okay. What did we talk about last week? Let me stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. We talked about, first of all, a growing, a growing relationship with knowing Christ better. And realizing how great and precious are His promises that we need to take these promises and internalize them 
and then let these promises touch our life whenever there's a need. And then we talked about some of those promises. All right, now, here's how we finish up this passage. Look at it quickly with me. And we got a fly this morning. All right, now, we're picking up at verse 5. All right, we've already talked about the magnificent promises that we have. And these magnificent promises help us to deal with this corrupt world we're living in. Now, verse 5, pick this up. Now, for this very reason, applying all diligence in your faith, add or supply. Okay, look up a minute. So what he's going to do now, he's going to tell us. He's going to introduce this whole passage by telling us, you need to apply what I'm going to say now with all diligence. And I'm going to talk about some things that you need to add to your faith in increasing measure. Okay? So it's not a stagnant faith. We keep adding to it, growing in these qualities that we're going to talk about, and then watch them work their way out in and through our life. Anything that's alive is growing. Amen? Okay. If your church is alive, it's growing. If you're alive, you're growing. If you're alive and with your relationship to Jesus Christ, you're touching lives. All right. But we're to apply spiritual diligence and discipline to our walk with God. For God is at work in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. God's at work in you, is He? Ask people. Well, you want to make him nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Just ask him how they're growing. Okay? Don't write that down in your notes. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, by the way, if you're visiting this morning, please don't judge this church on this morning, okay? All right. So... How many believers do you know that are diligently growing in their faith? They're diligent about it. Do you know people like that? You don't meet too many. All right? We, they're all around us and they're in our own family. And we've all got family, don't we? And we've all got kids, don't we? And we've all got grandkids, don't we? And some of them aren't doing anything with their faith. So I was talking to some of my grandkids on the phone this week. I got four grandkids in college. And so I'm not dad, I'm grandpa. So I used to tell them what their dad would like to tell them, but I can tell them and get away with it. And for some reason, they keep calling me. I'm having an awesome ministry with my grandkids. 
Isn't that wonderful? So I'm telling him to get off the dime, you stupid little buggers. And start realizing your faith is the most important thing that you've got going for you. And you're going to get sucked right down the drain if you're not growing. So I'm going to help you with that. All right. So now he said you've got to add these qualities to your faith. In your growing relationship with Jesus Christ, you've got to add these things diligently. You know, have you ever heard somebody say, well, just let go and let God? Oh, come on. What does that mean? What a bunch of... Uh, I'm trying to think of the Greek word for baloney. What a bunch of baloney that statement is. All right. Now, many commentators call what we're talking about now the golden chain. In other words, these qualities... You don't work on one until you get it. And then you work on another one and get it. Work on another one and get it. No, they're all linked like a chain. So they're all working together. All right? All right, now what are they? Now, as I go through this, oh, this is really an airplane view, so just hang on. But as we talk about these qualities really quickly, I can introduce it by saying this. What we're talking about right now will lead you into an abundant entrance into heaven. Will everybody get, will every Christian get an abundant entrance into glory? No. Some of you, what? I've never heard that. Well, you heard it now. And now, uh, you know, I'm going to add some more to that when we get to the end this morning. So hang on. Don't throw anything at me until I'm through, all right? All right. What I'm studying right now, what I'm sharing right now, is going to help me to have an abundant entrance into glory. And like I said, at my age, I'm sniffing it, folks. So I'm a lot closer than you are. And. It's a road map to keep us from falling. Oh, there goes my, oh, good night. Look at that. I dropped my water, but it was in this. Okay. All right. Now, did you get that? Now, isn't that a great way to look at this passage? It's going to do two things. It's going to keep me from falling, and it's going to help me to get an abundant entrance into glory. Well, that's enough to make me want to zero in on this passage. Okay, quickly, now here. One by one, hang on. Here's the qualities. Here they are. Number one, it talks about virtue. We don't use that word much anymore. The Greeks used to love that, love that word. In fact, Plato and Aristotle used that word a lot, virtue. But most commentators boil it down to meaning moral excellence. In other words, it's to live an honorable life doing the right thing regardless of the outcome. So I'm growing, growing, and adding to my faith. Hopefully, that the more I'm adding to my faith, I'm growing in moral excellence so I can make godly decisions, hard ones, 
regardless of the flack we might take. So, are you living an honorable life? And doing the right thing, even when it's tough? Are you growing in that? Now, you've got to add to that. Now you've got to add to that knowledge. Now, I'm not going to spend much time here because I spent a lot of time with that last week. That is, I'm growing in a practical knowledge of the Word of God, or another way of saying it, I'm growing in my discernment. Man, if we don't have, if there's anything we lack in our culture today, and especially with youth, they don't have any discernment. They believe a lot of things, but they don't have any conviction. Isn't there a difference between saying, I believe this, and I've got a deep conviction about this? Say, yes, Jerry. All right. <laughs> I know some of you people, I know, I know what you're thinking, but just remember you're commanded to love me, okay? All right. So, I've got to make the Word of God the priority in my life. And you know what's so thrilling for me? Man, here I am almost in my mid-80s. This Bible has never been more exciting to me. In fact, January, I studied the first 10 chapters of Proverbs. Anybody here working with youth? Anybody working with youth? Get them in the Proverbs. It's awesome. Man, I studied the first 10 chapters of Proverbs uh, as far as knowledge is concerned. Wow, is there some stuff to teach kids in that? In fact, when I pastored my church in Portland, Oregon, there's 31 Proverbs, and we bought little booklets, living Proverbs, little booklet about this big. We bought 400 of them, and we asked everybody in the church to read a proverb, proverb a day every month and to do that for a year. So the entire church read a proverb Every day for a year. Okay. So we need to do that, don't we? So that's why there's one thing about knowing the 23rd Psalm. There's another thing about knowing the shepherd of the 23rd Psalm. I don't know who said it, but I always love it. If you can't sleep at night, don't count sheep. Talk to the shepherd. Right? It's an awesome thing. All right. Saturate your mind with the Word of God so we can live out that truth. Okay? Growing in that knowledge. Praise God, I can stand here without any hypocritical thoughts at all and tell you I am growing in my knowledge of God. I'm in 2 Corinthians now in the mornings with the other stuff that I'm reading. Okay? Moral excellence. And it's linked up to this growing knowledge of God that I have. And now I come to number three. And I was going to skip over this because none of us need this one. Self-control. Okay. 
saying no to the ungodly passions and lusts of our culture, self-control over my tongue, over my anger, over my mind, over my eyes, over my feet, where am I going? Self-control in every area of my life. Am I still battling that? Somebody beside me? I was going down Sprague this week. Some stupid, well, that's not a good way to back up. I got to word this better. This stupid nut. He didn't even look. He changed lanes and stinking near hit me. And I could just, I'm preaching next week on self-control, so <laughs> good thing, right? I got to preach this every Sunday so I can get keep it in focus. You know, I just wanted to, you know, my first tendency, I remember what I used to do. I drive till I caught up with a roll down the window to give them that, you know, give them that look. Okay, I needed self-control. Oh, man. Okay, isn't it interesting? Reading some stuff from the life of Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln once said, the hardest quality of the the hard the hardest quality to cultivate in my life Abraham Lincoln said was self-control he said every time I was bitter about somebody doing something I'd write him a nasty letter but I wouldn't sign it I just left it on my desk he said and then two days later I crumpled it up and threw it in the waste basket so I wouldn't you know, express what I really, I needed to take care of it. So when you feel like writing the letter, don't sign it. Just let it lay there and crumple it up and throw it away. And when I think of our lives, and I just think of all of the things, and that's why you're back to, pro- listen, to, oh, don't write this down, but, oh, I love this. And I've known about, read this verse, and I memorized it too, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. In Proverbs 25, verse 28, he who has no rule over his own spirit is like a city with broken down walls. People that can't control themselves are like a city with broken down walls, meaning you have no protection from any direction when we lack this quality. And so many of us have to deal with it in different areas. Self-control over our tongue. James 3. Man. What about our anger? Anybody beside me? No, I, 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 that's not a problem with me. Okay, but I got one of my family members, one of my closest friends from Nebraska that calls me about once a month. He's a pastor, but he's out of the pastorate now. And one of the biggest reasons was he never did control, was able to control his anger, and it ended up killing his ministry. Self-control over our feet where we go. I don't have a problem with that. Control over my mind and control over my eyes, self-control. 
Does anybody just want to just say, will the battle ever be over? But am I growing? I am. Oh, praise God, I am. Sometimes it's so painful. But see, you're diligently dealing with that area of your life. And uh, that's where I am in the present. Lord, help me deal with all of this day after day, week after week, month after month. Okay, just add it to your faith. How you doing? Now, oh man, I'm an Egyptian mummy pressed for time, so just hang on. All right. So I want to not only, I should just stop at self-control and close in prayer, right? Because you all need this. Don't look at me like that. I know how bad you need this. You know why? Because nobody knows my heart like I do. Nobody knows you like you do either, so don't look at me like that. All right, what are we going to add to self-control? Patient endurance. Oh, man. This deals with how do I handle the pressures and the problems of life? And all of them come, even James 1, remember James chapter 1? God is at work in the pressures and problems of life and they help develop patient endurance. I used to go to a lot of conferences many years ago with Howard Hendricks in Dallas Seminary. Everybody that ever knew him loved him. And people used to say to him, he, I mean, he used to say to people, how's your life going? How are you doing? And they used to say to him, well, under the circumstances, I'm doing okay. And he'd always say, what are you doing under there? <laughs> you know, under the circumstances, I'm doing okay. Well, what are you doing under there? Okay. Patient endurance. God is building that quality in our lives. And we're adding this to our faith. And we're growing in that area of patient endurance. Are you? Am I? You ever think about Noah? Took him 120 years to build that ark in the middle of the desert. It never even had rained yet. Can you imagine the flack he took from the neighbors? You think he grew a little patient endurance? <laughs> but he did it by faith. Remember, okay, Hebrews chapter, Hebrews 1, okay, I mean 11. He did it by faith. Okay. Patient endurance, the bedrock to patient endurance is the confidence God, you are at work. A couple that I married in Portland, her name was Rachel. And she was a gorgeous girl. A few years ago, she was in a horrible car accident. Mangled her beautiful face. And her seven-year-old daughter was killed in that accident. And the last time I was in Portland, the last time I talked with her parents, 
I said, how's Rachel? And the, the parents said, she's doing incredible. But back when she had her accident and mangled her beautiful face, lost her seven-year-old daughter, her parents said, the doctors, the nurses, the staff of the hospital, the friends that came in and out of her room for several weeks while she was there, she had a powerful impact on their life as she saw all of this in relationship to growing in patient endurance. So what are you patiently enduring? Or a deep friend or family, all right? I had a blessing this week. A friend called me from his bedside in Portland, and I'll see him this weekend. PhD from the University of Washington. He was a brilliant attorney. He was an all-American wrestler. And he's been bedridden for 20 years with MS. And he was a dynamic witness for Jesus Christ. And as he got progressively worse, his brother would come and pick him up and take him to a men's Bible study every week. So we could, you know, he had an incredible testimony. This His name is Steve. And Steve would go to these Bible studies and participate. Share his faith. And then his brother took him everywhere in his wheelchair. And now he can't do that anymore. He's bedridden. She feeds him through a tube in his stomach. And when he got to where he couldn't talk anymore, where you can understand him, he wrote up his testimony in a booklet with some pictures, and he wrote it all up. And now when he's in his wheelchair or when people come to visit him by his bedside, he just hands him a, a booklet with his testimony because he can't talk anymore. And what about you that can still talk? Are you going to stand before Jesus Christ someday and he's going to look at you and say, see the nail-pierced hands and he's going to say to you, why were you so silent? You've heard the old saying, most Christians are like rivers that flow into the North Pole, frozen at the mouth. Is that you? I hope not. I'm going to help you with that. You know what I've been doing for 21 years is trying to help people with that. And I go into churches and nine-tenths of them aren't interested. There was a guy that had been on the mission field for years and he came home. And his denomination sent him all over the United States to visit different churches that supported him. And then they asked him, what have you picked up from all the churches you, since you've been home? He said, well, I've learned one thing, being around American Christians after being overseas for years. I've learned this. American Christians aren't interested in prayer or evangelism. Isn't that a pitiful commentary? I served one time, i got to be careful with this, I served one time in a church in Oregon, I won't name it, 
church of close to 2,000, and they started having Sunday night prayer meetings, but after three weeks, they canceled them because nobody showed up. Church of 2,000. Patient endurance. All right. Confidence that God is at work. So I need that, but I need to encourage others to keep on hanging on with patient endurance. Oh, my goodness. Okay. But, we, you know, we're adding that. Okay? We're growing in these, are we? Okay, and the next one. So this will be simple with this part. The word godliness. What does that mean? Well, actually... God-like, or, you know, people that are in a right relationship with God and with each other, we call them, you know, <laughs> the pious, use the word pious. There are different people in your life that you call godly, aren't there? Okay, you got, you know, this kind of, the, they keep their conduct honorable so that the unbeliever can see Something that is distinct about their life. The people that get next to you, do they sense there's something different about this man? There's something different about this woman. There's a quality there. I can't put my finger on it. But it's there because we're distinct. Hopefully, because and that's why, because we're more aware of the presence of God in our life than we've ever been. And that's true of me. I am more aware of the presence of God in my life than I've ever been. Isn't that an amazing thing for some ex-pastor after walking with the Lord for almost 64 years? And he's never been more real in my life. That's growing in me. That's why my oh, my new life verse. <laughs> it used to be it used to be Acts twenty twenty four, but my new life verse is in Second Corinthians four. The outward man is perishing, but the inward man is renewed day by day. Don't you love that verse? Now look at me. Some of you, we're, the outward man's perishing. I know it. I played racquetball for years. I gave it up when I was 75. But when I was 75, I was still beating guys in their 20s in racquetball. I, and I just love that game. Well, I, finally, I've given, I, I, you know, it caught up with me, and now I, had to give that up. Well, I'm 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 disintegrating. But I've never been more alive spiritually, and I praise God for that. And that's why I'm praying that He'll touch people's lives through me. I can hardly wait for tomorrow. Isn't that a great way to live? Man, you gotta suck it up, folks. Start get some excitement in your walk with God. Start saying, God, I need to take these qualities, weave them into my life, self-control, patient endurance, godliness, 
Brotherly kindness is the next one. I mean, I just like to look at, think of that little statement, random acts of, random acts of kindness. I love that. All right. This is a beautiful concept of just, you know, it's what Peter experienced on the beach when Jesus invited him for breakfast after he denied him three times and knew that that brotherly kindness and that brotherly love and that forgiveness and restoration were still there. For another, I love that Romans 12, 10, be kindly affectionate toward one another with brotherly love. So that's, I want that to be growing in my life and in yours. Okay. How you doing? And then the last one, brotherly kindness, weaves its way into love. And that could be a whole message, but simply saying, a love that's sacrificial. You know, love that's unconditional. You know what my problem was for so many years? My love was so conditional. Confession is good for the soul, bad for the reputation. My love was so conditional. And I tell you, when I read that you know, Bruce Wilkinson, most of you know who he is. And uh, I've had some, some personal conversations with him. But his newest book on forgiveness, he said things that I'd never heard before. And God used that book in the most powerful way in my life that's helped me to learn to a deeper extent what it means to love and forgive someone. I've needed that. So all of these qualities are being weaved into our life. We're adding them to our faith diligently. Now, I got one more hour on this last page. Here's my highlights. I just look up a minute. I'll look at my notes. Don't you just look up a minute. Where am I? Okay. All right, here I am. Here we are. All right, now listen to this. Oh, this is so powerful after what I've just said. Now listen. For if, now verse 8, look up. Now look at me. Look at me. For if these qualities are yours and they are increasing, they're increasing, they will render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're growing in these qualities, you're adding them to your faith, you won't be worthless and unfruitful. Question, class, are there a lot of useless, unfruitful Christians vegetating their way to glory?
pastors love me when I go visit different churches because I tell all the old people what they'd like to tell them. But you know why I can say what I say? Because I'm one of them. So get off the dime and get after it because you got more time than you've ever had. Okay? Now don't start throwing anything at me. All right. So, Christ-likeness, fruitfulness, all right, character qualities. That's why we have the be attitudes, and then we have the do attitudes in Matthew 5, right? Okay. You know my favorite story of all? The most famous sculptor thing, uh, sculptor, sculptor piece of all time was the most famous Michelangelo took that humongous block of marble and chiseled out David. And I don't know where it's on display. Does anybody remember where it's on display? I think it's in a museum somewhere in Italy, I think. What? Florence, Italy? Okay, can you imagine a humongous block of, just a block of <laughs> marble. And that guy just going, chipping away, and pretty soon here's this David. And just picture Jesus in your life. Chipping away everything that doesn't look like Jesus. We don't like that, do we? He's chipping away at you. He sure is chipping away at me. So don't, you know, sometimes it just, I just want to just leave me alone for a day, you know? Chip, chip, chip. All right. So, spiritual growth brings results. The results is you'll be fruitful. The second thing is you'll be, oh, this is, I'm almost done, so just, Oh, this is just a frustrating. Okay. So, all right, if you have these qualities, you're going to be useful, use, useful and fruitful. Verse 9, but if you lack these qualities, you're blind and you're nearsighted and you've forgotten that you've been forgiven for your sins. What a beautiful, powerful verse that is. If you don't have any vision, what will you get? What's going to happen? You'll be blind to everything that God's doing in your life as well as in anybody else's life. If I lack these qualities, it'll affect everything. And the worst thing is I forget what he did for me. That's why as soon as I did, anytime I doubt his love, I just need to take another look at the cross, right? Don't forget where you've come from. And look at how many people have forgotten that. And that's why they that's that's all they see is right here. They never see what God's doing in each other's lives and what he wants to do out there. They just live life like this, bumping into everything. Because they don't have these qualities growing in their lives. My last point, and we'll pray. All right.
verse 10 and 11. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. Okay? Diligent to make your calling and election sure. That's why when I talk to people, anybody, grandkids, my own kids, walk me through again. Where are you in your walk with God? When did you come to know Him? Walk me through that again. Because I know that if you do that, I want you to be certain of your calling. Because if you lose your lack of assurance, and then you're not worth a dime. You might as well ask him to call you home. In fact, I've prayed that prayer many times. God, if I ever lose my commitment, I ever lose my passion for wanting to know you and love you and serve you, if I ever lose that, call me home. And then the last verse. For in this way, in other words, as long as you practice these things, underline that with red, please. I did in my Bible. That's why I like people to bring their Bible. You can underline something that I ask you to. If you practice these things, you will not stumble. And, last point, there will be an in there will be an entrance into the eternal kingdom that will be abundantly supplied to you, or another way of putting it, a superabundant welcome into glory. How many of you had this experience? You're sitting in your chair at home, knock on the door, and you don't even get out of your chair. You just scream, come on in. But some people knock at the door. And you run to the door. And the door opens. And you're just, just in locked and embracing, and hugging and kissing all over them. Abundant welcome. Someday when Christians enter glory, some are going to come on in. And then when you arrive, why? Because you have been so faithful. Is everybody going to enjoy? Is everybody going to be happy in heaven? Yes. Are some people going to be able to glorify God in heaven more than others? Yes. We are building our capacity to glorify Him forever. We're building that capacity now. When was the last time you heard a sermon on that? We're building our capacity to enjoy Him forever. I don't want Jesus to just scream at me, Come on in! I want Him to run and greet me and give me an abundant welcome into glory. And that's what happens when we put all of this into shoe leather. Okay, I'm seven minutes over. 
Let's pray. Oh, look up. I'm not ready to pray. I remember the last note I wrote to myself. People from all over the world that are that are mountain climbers go to the Swiss Alps and mountain climb. You, we all know that, right? Okay. I'm not a mountain climber. That's not my thing. But a lot of people love that. But this is a true story. A guy was in, went to Switzerland to mountain climb anyway. But at the base of one of the mountains in Switzerland is a cemetery for all the people that have died there and that have been climbing and have fallen and died. So there's literally a cemetery at the base of one of the mountains in Switzerland. And a guy was walking through the tombstones in this little cemetery, and he came upon one stone, and you know what it said? He died climbing. Is that going to be on yours? Or is it going to be he died reclining in his easy boy? chair. I want to die climbing, don't you? Okay, let's take the last two Sundays. God help us to let this seep in and somehow seep out. Alright, now I'm going to pray if you tell me you still love me, okay? Remember you're commanded to, okay? Alright, let's I need one sip of water and then we'll pray. Okay. Father, thank you for our time together this morning. Your word is alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And how I pray for all of us. God, give some diligence to our lives. God, don't let us just Mickey Mouse our way through life. Help us to give that your word a priority in our life. Help us to grow in understanding who you are and let your word grip our lives and then help us to add to our faith diligently these qualities that we so desperately want to just characterize our lives so that we will not fall and so that if you call us home this week, we'll get an abundant welcome into glory. That's what we want. Father, I pray that you've spoken to every heart this morning. In Christ's name, amen. And thank you for having me for two Sundays, okay? All right, Lord bless you. Oh, one more time. Thank you for listening to today's message from Liberty Lake Church in Liberty Lake, Washington. Our pastor, our elders, and our prayer watch team are available to pray with you or to answer any questions you may have. Contact us through www.LibertyLinkChurch.com or follow us on Facebook. We look forward to hearing from you and welcome any comments you may have. As always, we appreciate your prayer support. Join us next week 
on God's Word for You for today for another message from Liberty Lake Church. Thank you again, and God bless.